Welcome to Cooperville. Do you know what's fun to do in Cooperville? Pack up your shit and get the fuck out. Listen. www.welcometocooperville.com <laughs> Who the fuck says www anymore? I can't even say it. www. <laughs> Stop that. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. On demand anywhere quality podcasts are available. And some places where cheap podcasts are available. And the local gas station has some. Subscribe. Get updates. Feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. The wife gets upset when we leave rings on the tables. What's going on, guys and girls? It is Cooper and the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. Kyle Roeder is my guest today. Very excited to get to conversate with you outside of our former career paths. The trajectories that we were once on have led us into the basement of my home. Hey, I'm happy to be here. And Kyle was, what was your official title? And your your last official title with the Eau Claire Police Department was like, yeah, boss man still, of Twitter. Well, it's, it was still a good question, actually. It was. <laughs> uh, I think it was kind of self-defined at, at one point, but uh, it originally started as community relations officer, <laughs> which morphed into public information officer, so I called it the community relations slash public information officer. You called it king of Twitter, let's be honest. Hey, you know, I tried my best. You, and, and you succeeded. And I, there's a lot of things I want to talk about with that facet of it, because I think, at least on a local level and a, and a follower of social media, how the interaction between police departments and the community has developed into some really strange, I wouldn't say strange, I mean, it may be strange from my perspective, but there's comedy and there's memes and like, you know, what used to be when I was growing up, like people of authority, like I can't imagine, you know, the first time I got busted for like underage smoking back in like 94, that guy was not on Twitter posting a meme about like, hey kids, don't don't smoke cigarettes. But it is, it's a, it's a different world we're living in, I think, with social media and with relations between uh, police departments and the community. But uh, what I want to start off with is is trajectory into that career path. Was it something at a young age when you, a movie you saw or the community you grew up in that you're like, this is, this is something I can see myself being, you know, in a police officer role as a career? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, real life. It wasn't mm-hmm. in the movie. So uh, I grew up in Chippewa Falls, not too far from here, right? So uh, this is you know, not quite my community, but I didn't stray too far from home either. Um, uh, back when growing up, my mom was a dispatcher, a 911 dispatcher for Chippewa oh, Falls cool. Police Department. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, typically the, the people that you hang out with outside of work are the people you work with. So uh, a lot of her friends, a lot of the family friends were police officers. Um, my uncle was also a, an officer for Chippewa Falls. And um, I just got to listen to the stories uh, that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to really see who they were as people. Um, they would pull up, they'd stop at my house when I was outside playing, you know, they'd pull the squad car into the, the driveway and stop by to chat. And that's really what policing's about. And, and they were doing that in the their 80s. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, when police stepped at her house, <laughs> that's a story for a different day. But no, I, I think that's um, exposure as at a young age. And I think because there's a lot of different perspectives of, of that profession, I think, it, depending on how you grew up, a lot of it depends on how your parents viewed authority and how they viewed you know the police department. But to have, I think, that kind of access and to see them on that level 
especially in that in the 80s, you know, because I, I, there I see, I want to say a curtain, but a, a wall between like, okay, they're the police and, you know, we are the citizens and there's not much commingling outside of unless, in, in, like in your situation where you have somebody who's in the department and, and has some personal relationships there. Um, what was the, okay, this, done with high school, I'm, I'm going in full-fledged, high and tight haircut probably. Always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've really always had a plan. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a, a probably to a fault. I, I try to have a plan, and I had a life plan. Um, I knew I wanted to graduate high school. I wanted to uh, go on. I, I went to college. I went to UW-Eau Claire. Did that, yeah. you know, my four years criminal justice, and, and I was out the door. So, uh, you know, actually at that time, I, had, I was down to the plan of in between junior or, uh, my freshman and sophomore year internship with the Department of Justice, DCI, uh, between my junior and senior year, uh, at the time, it was a 400-hour police academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to do that over that summer. So I became a certified law enforcement officer um, prior to my senior year of college. And UW-Eau Claire uh, hired me for their police department right out of academy. So my senior year at UW-Eau Claire, on the weekdays, I was pretty much going to class and then uh, working as an officer on weekends and, and the nights there. Um, so I had that plan, right? Mm-hmm. And then moving forward, you know, buying the house, is getting married, having kids, and um, never kind of thought I would, I would be doing what I'm doing now, but um, it, it took me down a pretty good road. The thing that strikes me about Kyle and the first time that you and I had a meeting together or we ran into each other at a, at a function, you never struck me as like, I guess, a stereotyped police officer guy, you know, because I, I, I grew up with a lot of military in my life. Um, I have family who's in the military, and, I, and there's a stigma almost with, with police officers that they kind of have an attitude, very masculine, testosterone-driven, obviously, especially if you go the route of uh, served in the military and then went into, into you know, police work. Um, but you never struck me as that guy. You, you're, you're conversational. You know, I never felt, I'm going to say intimidated by you, as, but I, I felt like we could have a conversation instead of just me being like, man, I, 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 think, I, like, I, don't, like, I don't think I have anything illegal on me. Like, these keys are kind of sharp in my pocket. I mean, you transitioned into a position, to, like you said, be kind of in charge of, of community relations and then into the Twitterverse, enter the Twitterverse, which is a rabbit hole for a lot of people. But there was a, a huge change from my perspective, watching social media and following the police departments, especially when I was in radio, because we, you know, we all tied in together. We did a lot of events and stuff. This progression of stiff, I think maybe stiff is a good word, of, I mean, very informational, uh, very to the point, um, but not something that you were you would chuckle at, not something you would go, ha, hey, right. that was pretty clever, or or something that I think the the average citizen would how they would speak, how they would talk about snow conditions, or they would talk about traffic issues. All of a sudden, it started to, and I think from you know my Twitter feed, it it changed when you kind of took over and started to inter- interject some kind of some humanality into what the police department, this official, you know, the official Twitter of the Eau Claire Police Department was all of a sudden being conversational and all of a sudden interacting and all of a sudden you felt like it was a, a tangible thing instead of just this beacon of information that came out. Yeah, that, I mean, that that's what it is, right? That's always been my view of really what I want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. every And I've sat in on interviews with, uh, you know, aspiring police officers, and you know, everybody says the very first, why do you want to be a police officer? I want to help people. Well, that's right. really what we want to do. It's not, it's not about the authority. And sometimes um, officers 
put that out there, right? Um, the officers that, that came out, uh, you know, early in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even into the 90s that did. They came out of the military. They might have been looking for the next closest thing right. in the private sector, you know, or, uh, public sector, but out, outside of the military as a mm-hmm. civilian. And um, that's changed. You know, we have people that um, are getting into this because they want to be communicators. They want to be problem solvers. Um, they care about their community. So um, what I try to do with the community relations role is I wanted to get away from being reactive to news stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it was. Uh, it was um, it was uh, TV news, uh, typically, or, or the leader telegram calling us up and saying, hey, we read this in the police reports. What can you tell us about it? And, you know, we would give them more information right. uh, or give them you know, some sound for, for what they needed. Um, I wanted to take that to, hey, what's really going on? Who are our people? What's the, the human side of what the officers are doing? Right. Um, what's going on out there? And I knew that from growing up that these officers have great stories, mm-hmm. not only the stories of the, the, you know, the humorous things that, that they've seen, um, but boy, they've... Uh, uh, they, they put their heart into this, man. The, the, not that there's not other jobs that do that, right? But right. Uh, they work weekends and holidays and nights and, and they give up so much and they still have a sense of humor and they still have uh, the ability to connect. But unfortunately, when people uh, need the officers, they don't see that side because it's an emergency situation. Right. It's uh, it's a medical situation or it's an, uh, a criminal situation. Um, so there's not a lot of ways to show that right. unless you know somebody personally. And that's what uh, when I took a hold of of Twitter um, and now you know they're using it Facebook and Instagram and other uh, other things. But um, it was a way to reach out to the community in a different way. And and it was. Um, it was helpful not only from community relations, but we would get private messaging on there um, that were people would ask basic questions. You know, uh, is it legal to have you know alcohol in this certain park, whatever? Right? right. They wouldn't call nine one one. Hopefully, uh, they wouldn't call a nine <laughs> emergency. That number. is not a situation where you call the nine one one hotline. That's oh. for emergencies. Like, can I if I'm at Owen Park, can I have a sixer down here? We could do a whole show on what people call nine one one for. <laughs> um, we may get into that. We may. <laughs> you know, but uh, it, it really wasn't. Uh, it wasn't about that. It's like let's let's connect. Let's mm-hmm. let's be a part of the community. Too often, uh, the community feels like they're here and we're in a different spot. You know, we're driving around with our windows up. We're you know going from call to call, and unfortunately, uh, too many police departments um, don't have the staffing now to get out and do the community things that they need. Right. I was so fortunate to have a position, and Eau Claire offered that position to us, and now there's actually two there, which they see the value in that community. Every officer should have the ability to get out in their neighborhoods and not just go to the neighborhood meeting and get back in their car, but get out and talk to the kids like they did in Chippewa Falls when I was there and, you know, go to the playgrounds and go into the schools. Um, But when we staff at a level of respond to call to call to call, you're not able to do that. I think everybody's got, um, and even my my mother who was, I, I I don't think she ever got, maybe she got a speeding ticket at one point in her life. But everybody has that. Anytime that there is a, you see a police officer or there's one behind you, the world stops your heart. Even if you're not doing anything wrong, you become like oversensitized to this. And it, and strangely enough, this just happened after I went and picked my kid up from after school care. And and I know all the guys in Altoona, so I wasn't like, but there's still like this, okay, 10 and 2. Um, okay, my phone is down. Okay, that's down there. Okay, and he's, he's see, Everybody has that initial reaction when they see a police officer. But I think that there has been a, because of social media, if you're not doing anything wrong, you, you, you're you like, oh, yeah, that was the guy that they put up that meme about, you know, the 
snow we had last week or or the situation that happened and they made light of it. Um, even and we'll talk about the karate meth dog uh, <laughs> naked guy at, at Walmart, which really could <laughs> be any day. Really could be any day of the week right now. But it, there's definitely been, I think, a, a softening of that at least locally. You know, on a national level, and we'll talk about that further on in the podcast, there's there's a little bit of off balance. There's a little bit of, uh, maybe it's because the stories are skewed one way, um, but if you watch if you watch news still, there has been a lot of focus now pushed on the things that you mentioned about officers going out into communities and talking to kids. And um, I watched one, I think it was the other day um, on the nightly news, so on a national on a national level, about an officer who befriended a young child and um, nobody showed up at his birthday party. So the whole police force uh, was there. And, and now all of a sudden this, you know, this kid from a, a poorer neighborhood sees himself in the future um, joining the police force because he wants to make that kind of difference. But the social media aspect of it, who let the reins off? You know, I mean, it, it, it seems like there was such a brick wall between the police and the community outside of events, outside of going and doing, you know, night out on crime and these things that have been implemented to, to really bring the community and the police force together. But to open up those lines of communication where officers and especially people in, in your you know former position to talk to the community like they were human beings, like they were their neighbors, like they were their friends. Yeah, you know, that was that was a change. I don't know that it was ever like an intentional thing that mm-hmm. that's what policing was trying to be, right? right. Uh, policing has to be so many things. You have to really know a lot of different things. You don't need to be a master of any, but you have to really have, you know, knowledge tools, of all, yeah. knowledge yeah. of everything. And people expect so much. So I think there's a burden that, boy, you need to be doing these things. Even now we see comments. Um, we do put something out that is supposed to be educational, but it's humorous. And you'll see the comments. You're wasting my tax dollars. You're wasting time. Why do we have this position? Why are you doing this? Well, that's preventative. Do you think that that's a generational proactive. thing? Do you think that's a generational thing? Do you see that those kind of comments may come from an older generation because that is a huge sector now of social media is is an older generation now jumping on social media and getting able you know being having the ability to put their two cents in because it feels like a you know maybe the millennials and, and especially Gen Z is got a completely different vantage point of things. I can see an older generation, a baby boomer generation that would would look at that and say like, how come you are on social media posting this funny thing about turn your lights on when it's raining? Is it a generational thing, you think, those kind of comments, or is it across the board? I think it's two things. I think generational, one, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's also people just like to be trolls. They like to oh, yeah. uh, they, oh, yeah. they like to have their their voice heard as long as they don't have to be in front of the, the person saying it, right? They like yeah. to poke and prod um, because even if they don't have knowledge, and really that's unfortunate because social media is such a powerful tool, but it's gotten a bad rap because that's where a lot of people go with it. Uh, they go into the comment sections or um, they they put things out there you can't sort out whether it's true or not right so um, you know there's plenty of uh, police related stories where people put something out that the police did and there, the, there's no factual basis behind right. it. You know, they'll totally make up stories. And, or or um, out of context. There's a lot of out, out of context. context. Oh, out yeah. of context, yeah. You know, everybody has two sides to a story, mm-hmm. and um, the perspectives are, are different. So um, it's uh, it's something that is an absolute must for departments now. Just like businesses, you better be on social media marketing and, and interacting with customers and customer service. Um, some do it much better than others, and, and police departments are the same way. Some do it better than others. Just having a presence doesn't mean that you're doing a good job right and um too many places are doing they have a presence and uh uh, the difference there is do you have 
somebody or people behind the scenes that give your department that voice, right? A, a essential unified voice, um, but something that gives you um, that relationship with the community. And uh, when we have a free platform to mm-hmm. reach people and be retweeted or shared uh, sometimes to millions of people, um, <laughs> you know, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, um, people see that, right? And that turns into real life uh, connections, real phone calls, real face-to-face contacts. And um, that's what some people don't get. They look at policing as really what it's its not. Now, policing, we're here to uphold laws or protect people, whatever. But it's about community relationships and being there in times of need. Um, if people can't trust you because you haven't built a rapport with them ahead of time, even if it's online social rapport, um, we're putting ourselves in a, in a bad position. You got uh, famous, infamous, famous, infamous, interchangeable. I'll take what I can get. Uh, there was a phone call, and it started locally, and, and there's some other stories I want to talk about that have, have started here in our community, and all of a sudden they blow up because because of social media, because how fast things uh, can transfer uh, from person to person, also from network to network when you talk about TV coverage or radio coverage. Uh, but you got a phone call sitting at your desk at work from a scam artist, which took you like kind of global. Yeah, Absolutely. Tell that story, because if, if you haven't heard it, because this podcast is also global, except it's not available in places where they don't allow explicit material. So other than that. You know, it's uh, like everybody else. I was uh, at work. I uh, In my old position, I carried two phones. I had a work phone. I had my personal phone in my pocket, and, and I looked at it, and it was a scam number I could tell, right? Mm-hmm. I used to go and teach about scams. Um, we tell people, just don't answer the phone, right. hang up on them, right? Uh, but I was standing there and I said, you know what? Um, I was talking to my partner at the time and I said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to answer this. And, and she actually says, hey, let's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to record it. So it was her <laughs> idea. Um, so I went and I answered it and, um, uh, started talking, you know, uh, if I knew it was going to go where it went, um, I would have probably tried a little harder. Um, I uh, probably didn't put my best foot forward as far as my acting skills there. I'm not getting any gigs that way. Um, But, you know, um, we put it out there as an educational piece showing that, you know, this is what, this is what's going on, right. and and uh, you know I think we're over 14 million views on Jeez. it right now, and that's you know that's on our Facebook, you know our old police department Facebook account. Um, not to mention the other places that picked it up and, and did their own posts. That some of those have millions as well. Um, to the day I was leaving the police department back in July, I was getting phone calls from people all over the country that were. I don't know what it was, but they were finding me, seeking me out, calling my desk saying, hey, I just got this call. Either what should I do or telling me a funny story about, hey, this is what I did, (laughs) right? So if I'm reaching people out in California or I'm reaching people wherever it might be, um, or I'm reaching them to the point where they're going to tell their, you know, grandparents, say, listen, or showing this and and trying to educate. That's what we're trying to do. So um, it's not like we're just screwing around trying to put out funny stuff. Um, There's an educational value to it as well. Uh, Never thought it would would go 14 million views. Um, We had had some success earlier. We had a duck crossing video that had, I think, gone over uh, 2 million or so on YouTube. And, you know, we've had some successes, um, but that's never our intention. And and I, I teach social media now to to law enforcement as well. And I say, you were not looking for the viral post, right? Right. That comes along with it. You're looking for the relationships, you're looking for the education, uh, but you have to do things that are creative and a a little bit different. And and it's been amazing how far uh, law enforcement social media has come Mm -hmm. in probably the last five years. This video goes viral quickly. 
it seems like there was a very short period of time between the first time I saw it locally and then the time I saw it nationally, GMA or, I mean, it, it really, it was, the video was everywhere. It's weird watching that process happen uh, because you know, when you see it locally, obviously that was probably a couple of days after it originally happened. And then you see it nationally a couple of days after, and they see it on a different national level a couple of days later. What was that like for the department, you know, for, for your department at that time? Because I'm, I'm guessing you were called for interviews. I'm guessing you were called in to do um, a bunch of different talk shows. But, you know, yeah. obviously you have you have a job to do while you were there. You right. had a community relations job. Big yeah. distraction. I mean, was it just like, what ha- what is happening right now? I'm, I'm famous now. Yeah, no, I mean, not. I don't think as much as a distraction. Uh, fortunately, um, some departments don't have the position that we had where we, right. that was one of our primary things is to be responsive to media. Um, so when we would get get calls on that, and, and we did, we had, we had calls from, uh, you know, Time Magazine, Huffington Post, USA Today, you know, all of these, all of these places, as well as TV from all different states, uh, and then the national level. Um, and, you know, to me, because I was so invested in social media, I'm like, that's, that's it, right? This right. is, and it's not about the viral post so much, but it's like, wow, we, we have, we have done something that really wasn't that amazing that others have done, but somehow it caught on, right? right. And sometimes we don't know why things go viral. Sometimes we don't know why things... Uh, Trust are, me, there's a lot of are. things out there. I'm like, why is this a thing? Yeah, absolutely, right? Whatever my kid watches, why is this a thing? <laughs> why is this kid opening up Disney toys making $20 million a year? Yes. Why? Yes. But yes. If, if only we would have thought of that, right? <laughs> no, I, I just feel bad because it, I could have done that. Like, oh, yeah. Watch yeah. me open up beers all day. I'd make a show out of that. I haven't seen that one yet. Maybe we could try <laughs> that one, right? After this show, we're going to start a new idea here. <laughs> but that's, I mean, it, it was it was such a cool, I think a cool thing. It was funny. It was, uh, everybody gets those phone calls. Everybody has to deal with that stuff. A lot of time they're asking me if I want to join some sort of pyramid scheme. Like, hey, how can you make $20,000 a month just sitting at home? I'm like, opening Disney toys. I don't know. Is this what this phone call is about? Guy from Denver. And George Stephanopoulos called you what? Kind yeah, of, kind of, sort of smart. Pretty smart. Pretty. pretty oh, smart, you're pretty yeah, smart. Yeah, that's my Twitter bio now. George Stephanopoulos <laughs> called me pretty. Was smart. it pretty yeah. comma smart? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty smart. Uh, well, that's a good question, <laughs> George. Hey, we want, <laughs> we'll tweet at you this podcast. But it, it's it's really cool to see that that is one of those facets of social media when it blows up like that. Locally, you get to see like, wow, we're like we're on the map now. You know, we have a lot of things that put this community on the map. There's right. plenty of things. I mean, there's huge brewery in Chippewa Falls. There's big music festivals. There's all these great things that uh, this area does. But when you have that kind of story go to that level, it softens the the relationship, I think, between police department and and community because you're like, hey, you know what? These guys and girls are going through the same things that we go through. I think really humanizes the police officer and, and continues to make that relationship stronger in this area. And why not use that platform, right? right? You have a free platform, right? We're always talking about budgets and in government and, and policing. Um, you have a, a free platform right. to go out there and uh, you know make a difference that way. When we can put out a reach, now I I would do presentations uh, for elderly people, and I would I would do there would be ten people in a room. I'm getting that yeah. same scam message out to ten people face to face over an hour, or I'm hitting fourteen million people. Uh, and then whoever else shares that beyond, so we know that number is exponentially bigger than that, um, by putting out something that maybe is humorous. Um, you know, we've done that on a, on a smaller level with a, the simple uh, emoji tweet on a, a slippery day, you know, leave, right. leave spacing between vehicles, you know, and using emojis instead of saying, 
today it's very slippery. Let's put, uh, you know, more space between us and the vehicle ahead of us. That Too many places do that. Right. Right? Too many places. We um, this, this last year for 4th of July, the, the, you know, hey, fireworks are bad. Instead of a tweet, a press release, a four-page press release saying that you know <laughs> that's that's not what people because all read of us anymore. are waiting for that press release to come out about the dangers yeah. of uh, oh, of fireworks. Boy. When's that you know yearly Fourth of July press release coming out? Right? Yeah, because you got to change the date. You've got fireworks emojis. <laughs> just throw them up there. Um, so fifteen years, then it was time, and then yeah. you know opportunity presents itself. How hard was the decision to get out of law enforcement? And become a teacher. Oh, yeah. Because we were talking about this before uh, before we started recording, before we hit the button. When you do something, and in your case, even more so. I mean, I I always knew I was an entertainer from a very young age. I wasn't any good at it. But you, when you are in something, when you have, at a young age, for you more, formulated a plan and got to where you wanted to be. For me, just kind of fell off a couple of cliffs and, <laughs> and then crawled, crawled back up and ended up where I knew I needed to be. Making that change... Contextually, there's some obviously there's some similarities, but to make a change out of you know this career that even you mentioned in the open as a child you you saw police officers and you had your plan all written out. How difficult was it to make that decision? It, it was difficult. It, yeah. uh, you know, I always thought, hey, I'll, I'm going to retire from from this agency. Right. I I had uh, dedicated. Um, a lot of time and effort and I and made a lot of connections. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think that we miss out on the connections that we have within a community. Um, as in what, what you've done, you've made a lot of connections. I made a lot of connections and, and, um, that goes a long way when we, uh, we miss out on that. Um, mm-hmm. if, if we don't have that continuity with the person and, um, I just kind of knew, um, that, uh, we were rotating positions after five years. I had been extended twice to seven years, which was unheard of. Right. And, uh, timing the opportunity, I say came together and, and when there was an opportunity for me to go out and, and, uh, teach, um, uh, and, and really train, uh, new police officers, mm-hmm. which I was passionate about getting the right people in the job to right do it the right way um I, I took the opportunity and uh it was hard you know if i could have stayed doing what i was doing for uh the rest of my career um i had a lot of plans and, and goals um and you know i mean my my wife will tell you i've never told anybody else but uh exclusive here you it know, is you're here ex- here first exclusive, people you know when, breaking news <laughs> when we when we talked about it i i was in tears i was yeah. emotional yeah. this was uh, you know, this was, uh, I don't want to get all Oprah on you here, but, uh, the boy, this is, I loved what I was doing. Yeah. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. I loved the community events. I loved the people. Um, so it was tough. Uh, you know, now, um, I've transitioned and I'm, I'm seeing another side of it. I'm seeing that I can still be involved, um, you know, with law enforcement, with really the people that we need. When I started, uh, in, in policing, we had over 300 candidates, the last wow. time I heard, they had 35 people that wanted to do the job. Wow. And that's for a job where you start out making over $25 an hour, yeah. and you have retirement benefits, all that. Um, we need to find some people that want to do it. We're not trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel, and that's not what's happening by any means. Um, but we need to make sure we're doing a great job training the new people coming in, not only on how to do the job, but how to handle doing the job emotionally and, and you know physically to keep themselves uh, mentally healthy and ready to go. Where do you think the the reason for that decline is in interest? I mean, how much does um, the perspective of if you watch the news, news is generational. People get their news from so many different places now. It's not just we all sit down at five or six and watch the news. 
But how much is of that is um, people who, who maybe had that same childhood experience um, or maybe had a plan that become fearful or maybe they get into a relationship before, you know, they start to get into, you know, academies or go to uh, go into training or go into schooling for it. And, and you have a spouse or you have a, a parent even at this point that, again, you, you watch these stories because for a while there, it seems like it was every day there was a different story coming out of a lot of this was major city stuff. But still, there were some smaller town things that happened. There's a legit chance and there still is of tragic things happening. But do you think that that has something to do with it, that people see the things that come on the news and they go, I don't want to, I want you to be able to go and do what you want to do, but there's a real chance that one night you go out and you're on patrol. You, there's one night you go out to this one call, a domestic turns into something much worse, or this situation turns into something much, much worse and much more tragic. Does that, you think that has driven down the numbers? I think so. I think that, you know, the people that really want to do it are still setting themselves up to do it, right? Right. Um, but I think people that maybe hadn't thought about it, and one of the things we did in recruiting and a lot of agencies do is we're not looking for the people that have always wanted to do this. We're mm-hmm. looking for people who have life experience, maybe in other areas that they want to come in and, and bring that experience out there and, uh, you know, to the job. Um, I think that's a part of it. I think generally, generationally, um, the motivation, yeah. the commitment yeah. level, um, and I like, you know, the millennials and the, the generations after, but, um, it's different, right? You know, I mentioned uh, before that the the people that kind of came out of the military, we had a lot more military that would come into the job. Um, that's not the case. It's not you have to be a big, rough, tough guy doing it anymore. Now you're a problem solver. We have a lot more females coming into mm-hmm. the job, and uh, there's more diversity. There's there's more real, actual problem solving um, than you know used to be. And and they always problem solve, but it used to not be uh, on the forefront. It was you know it was a physical job, and now it's really more of a mental job. Um, it's difficult for people to get through the training. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a, the physical commitment. Uh, you have to be in good physical shape. There's there's you know state tests that you have to you have to keep up on. You know, people I think sometimes think we just get a car and a gun and we go out and we you know, and that's not the case, right? Most of our officers right. yeah. have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees. They have education that continues out throughout their whole career. Uh, every year we have mandatory training, but then people are getting certifications and things. You know, it's a, it's a, it's quite a commitment. And then when you look at um, some of the news stories, you look at um, just even locally, although we we have it very well here, right. uh, the comments from people um, when something would happen on a national level, uh, the people that would relate that, you know, there's over 800,000 police officers in this country. And when somebody would either screw up or the perception was they screwed up, right? a lot of times they didn't, uh, it was, you know, their training, how their training was, um, that would come back on us locally and, and people would, you know, um, be saying things, chanting things. That wears on you, right? You're right. out there trying to serve your community and, and honestly do things. I've never met a police officer that's out there for like this big uh, power trip. I haven't. It doesn't exist because what we, you know, at least with with our department, we go through such screening. Not to say things can't happen and can't people can't change and slip through the cracks, but when you go through, uh, you know, a psychological evaluation and you go through a polygraph where they go dig into your background and if you lie about anything, you're out. You you know, um, we get some pretty good people in the door. So, um, and a lot of that is, is people's backgrounds just don't meet up. They think they can do the job and they can, and they just can't, can't meet the background requirements too. So, um, a lot of difficulties there, but, 
um, we're still getting the good candidates, I think. Right. I think departments are still getting the good candidates that want to do the job for the right reasons and, and want to serve their community. So that's a good thing. But you know, when you see a huge number like that shift, um, it is concerning. When you now are in the, the position of teaching you know, the next generation of law enforcement, how different is what you are teaching now from what you were taught 15 years ago? Obviously, there's the basics. Know how to drive. You know, <laughs> cuffs. I mean, the, the, the basic things are, you know, are still there. The structure is still there. But how different is what you are now teaching to what was taught to you when you first got in? Well, you know, just uh, we just look at at pure numbers. Uh, um, back in two thousand and one, when I, I think it was two thousand one, when I went through the academy, or two thousand two, um, we had four hundred hours of of upfront training, right, for our mm-hmm. academy. Now we're at seven hundred and twenty, so wow. we've nearly doubled the training. Uh, more is focused on uh, victim care. More is focused on mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have the the communication piece that that we really do more role playing. More, uh, it's not just sitting in a classroom and uh, being fed information and hoping you retain it. Um, now it's practical application on all levels, not just on the driving course or in the shooting range. Um, and that you know that really shows the shift from the job it has been to the profession that it really is. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a profession where you need to know a lot of things and you need to know them quickly. There's not uh, there's not time for most things to go and look through a book and see how to do it. So you better have the intelligence to think on your feet and be creative and, and uh, be able to communicate and, and bring all those together. Um, you know, and people are going to be able to say, well, I know police officers that don't do this and don't do that. And don't do, right. But right. there's a lot of things that all go into that. Every situation is going to be different. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting good people in there, but the training has changed. We're, it's a new focus. We're seeing, uh, even locally here, you know, before I, before I left, we're, we're seeing stuff that the general public doesn't have a clue what happens in Eau Claire or right. Altoona or, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely don't because people think what they see on Facebook, Twitter, what we're putting out, that is a small piece of it. You know, right. uh, when you have a department that, that is, is taking 25,000 to 30,000 calls for service in a year now, those aren't all high, uh, energy cases, right? Right. Um, but there are a lot of cases involving guns. Uh, there are a lot of cases where uh, very easily could have resulted in an officer-involved shooting, which, you know, in the last several years, we've had way more than we ever had in the first years of my career. That's not because the officers are are, are trigger-happy or they're getting uh, to, to a point where they're acting too quickly. Right. It's because we're presented with these bigger threats, these greater threats, these um, drug issues that are leading to some type of psychosis. So, I mean, we're there right. is there there are things going on, and it's real. And um, you know, we we have the right people and the right training to do it. And um, we are fortunate here that we have community support, but a lot of places don't. Right, and it's you know, you mentioned drugs, and and there's a lot of different levels that I want to touch base on here um, because I think there is a a far extreme, and I think you know. There is a lot that is going on, and, and I don't want to say unbeknownst to the community because I think there is some there is some knowledge that there is some crazy shit going on in 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 certain areas. Um, but for you, from the teaching standpoint, uh, and even you know reflecting back on officer standpoint, there is a lot of change that is happening, and it's happened over the last couple of years, especially when you talk about marijuana use, uh, when you talk about confusion about CBD oils, public perception of those those particular drugs. Recently, I think it was late last year when the city, now it's a dollar fine for your first uh, time getting busted where um, marijuana specifically, 
a big change not only in public perception, but also in legal perception. I have some friends that are in the CBD business. And right now, I mean, I wish I would have gotten in ground level on that. But there is a lot of preparation now with the cultivation laws that have changed, with the way things are altering in the state, um, with the way things that, frankly, like it or not, Eventually, it is going to be legal. You can have an opinion on that, however it is, but that's these are just, just going to be the reality that the public has to deal with, no matter what you think of it. According to you know the 2016 election and the questions that were asked, the majority of people who voted are like, yeah, this is likely one of the least of our concerns. Like, how difficult from from your desk is it now? You can't teach a fast and steady law of this is illegal, this is not. These are hardened criminals. I mean, we're starting, we're letting people out of jail for possession, which is a, you know, how overrun jails are with some, some silly things. How difficult is it for you to try to teach on a line that continues to move? Yeah, you know, policing is, uh, we're kind of the face of the so called criminal justice system. So, right. you know, we are the ones that people see the most and really take the blame for everything. And the criminal justice system starts with our politicians that make laws that most are ambiguous. Many officers, really can't interpret because right. they're so convoluted uh, and they change so often. I mean, even when we look at like the carry conceal laws and, right. and mm-hmm. things and, and our job and many people, or at least the perception from our end as officers were like, many people would just blame us for that. Right. We don't make laws. Right. And r- the reality is, is, and I tell the students this, like you may not even agree with the laws. Mm-hmm. Your job is to uphold the laws. So either, you, you know, you're doing your job or you, you're not. And um, we're right. You know, things are things are changing. They're they're moving along. Uh, CBD oils. You know, I, I remember having conversations like, what's that? You know, yeah. I'd have people call. What's the legality on this? I mean, I had a heated conversation with somebody before I left that wanted to know all the ins and I, I can't tell you, right? right. Uh, because things are changing so rapidly. Uh, different states, different areas have, uh, you know, have have made changes. Uh, in Eau Claire, you know, that's one of the things that's great about. Um, you know, media, a dollar fine. Well, the fine you're going to get is about $130 because of all the fees that are added to it, right? <laughs> so, you know, the same with, you know, your your uh, you know speeding ticket that's, you know, yep. $213. Well, it's like $30 of that is actually the fine and the rest goes, you know. So there are other pieces. And, and, and the, point, uh, the point of that is, is that something where we never had the officers that we were out like looking, right? We were looking right. for the person who's back in the, the park smoking dope. Now, if we stumbled upon that person, would we enforce it? Absolutely. Um, because whether we agree with it or not, that's what the law says. Mm. And, uh, but I think sometimes, you know, when we were running in Eau Claire, which is, you know, roughly 70,000 people, and then you have all the people coming in for whatever other needs, traffic or hospital, whatever, um, we get the people that be like, you know, hey, the police, they've been, you know, following us or what. We have six officers working right now for <laughs> probably a hundred thousand people in the city. You know, right? Um, that's probably not the case. And and marijuana was kind of one of those things. I think that, um, yeah, really, it, it's on the books. It's it is what it is. If you're caught with it, it's a violation. Uh, once they legalize it, and it's not a violation anymore then it, it's fair game. But until then, we enforce what we enforce. And that's really what we have to stay on top of. And that's why policing is difficult, because it changes all the time. You know, whether it changes yeah. through the, the laws that are enacted or through Supreme Court decisions at a federal level, a state level, appeals court decisions, we have to keep up on all of those. Uh, it's not just like, here's the law, go and take care of it. I imagine from even the when you're in the position of officer, 
to now teaching, I remember being taught, we used to have books, kids. They were these big textbooks and you had to learn things and they were printed 30 years before you got there. And obviously they added some pages on the end. But to teach a, uh, a situation that is not, it is historical, but it's it's a moving history. Like we, we know the the history of set situations. It's always been like this because it's been like this. How does that translate when they get to a situation where they are, hey, I'm going to throw the number out there, next year in 2020, marijuana possession, recreational use is going to be legal. Obviously, they'll put numbers on it. They'll say, well, it has to be this much and you can't be, you know, carrying around a trunk load full and um, which is, you know, the, the state will have a lot to say with that because there's, you know, those potholes that you have as you drive out to the school. Those are going to be fixed, people. I'm just saying, because I'm going to be the first one to say, I have I know where you put some of that money right out there on KB, <laughs> trying to go get my kid, and it's a crapshoot whether I'm going to lose a tire or not. Um, but I imagine getting out of the field, how fast does that information travel down from, you know, the, the legislative level down in Madison or wherever the changes are made down to a local level? I mean, because you could have a law change on a Tuesday – and have an officer out that evening and have somebody that says, well, you know, I pay, apparently that guy pays attention to social media or, or follows the laws. How quick is that line of communication between changes in laws and all of a sudden an officer who's in a situation where he has to deal with, well, this is legal or no longer legal, or you have this much and it's only this much you can have. It's got to be a challenge. Yeah, you know, every every jurisdiction is going to be different on how mm-hmm. that works. You know, we would we would meet every day for a briefing on every shift. And really, if something came out, it was in our briefing and... Hey, this is this is new today. Um, this is how we're we're going to do things now. Uh, you know, we had a great city attorney's office that would keep keep on top of things, uh, legal updates and and memos and and things. And and that's why it is difficult that you can't just you know get fixed. You don't just get fixed in the spot. Like, hey, I'm a police officer now. I know everything and move on. It's ever changing, and uh, you really just have to um, have to go with what's what's there. The thought of having to go into a job every day. And not every day. I mean, that's, but to know that you go to this briefing from what you were trained, taught, you know, if you have longevity for the last 5, 10, 15 years, well, it's been this way. Oh, by the way, today it's going to be different, you know. It's, oh, absolutely. I mean, I that's know, one, the stress level. One I of imagine. the big things, uh, not too long ago, right, is is how how to search a vehicle. You used to be able to search a vehicle if you arrested somebody in a vehicle, and you had fair game to search the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I remember when Gantt decision came down that says you can no longer do that unless right. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, and um, that's now the law. And and I mean that's that's what was decided. That's how our system is is there. But we have to adapt to that. Um, I think. Too often, sometimes people think that um, police are so, it's like a personal thing with us. Right. Hey, if the it's speed me- limit's 55 or the speed limit's 70, that's what it is, right? Uh, we deal with it and, and we're flexible. Uh, we we adjust, you know, and that's sometimes we would run into the one person who was the expert in that area. Mm. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I talked to the guy who called and wanted to know all the legalities on CBD oil. I said, I'm, I'm going to find them, you know, talk to the legal people I had, and it's still up in the air, and I can't help you there, right? We're ex- we're not experts in everything. We have to know a little bit about everything, and we'll try to find out. But, you know, those were the people that had the one, like, goal in life to, like, catch you up in something wrong. <laughs> you, know, you said hey, it wrong, we and you're an officer. Yeah, you're an authoritative, authoritative figure. Um, how big is the meth issue? How big is the meth issue that we're unaware of and how are officers being trained now to handle those situations? Cause I'll even open that up because 
I don't want to say meth is a thing of the past because it's not, but meth is like the starting point. Things are just seeming to pile up. I mean, there's fentanyl now. And I was just, I didn't watch the whole story, but I saw something scroll across uh, the screen as I was on my way out today um, that said drug that is, you know, a hundred times more potent than fentanyl. And here the things we hear about fentanyl are like, if you touch it with the wrong, you know, an open wound, all of a sudden you could be dead in five minutes. How bad is this getting? You know, I, I've never been in the drug unit. I've never, right. that's never been my expertise. But I, what I will say is that uh, the, the information that, that we know uh, from crime stats and whatnot is that it's not the issue of simply meth, okay? Mm-hmm. It's the issue of people that need meth that need money. So now they're doing the home break-ins. Right. Now they're going to uh, any of our local re- retail, you know, places, and they are doing crazy things. They are stealing things, and then they're reselling them. They're making that money somehow. Um, so crime, uh, we can't look at it as, oh, it's a meth. Oh, right. Somebody's on drugs. Who cares if they're on drugs? It's affecting everybody. It's affecting you and your neighborhoods. If your mm-hmm. houses, you know, are getting broken into, your cars are getting broken into. It's your affecting stuff's you getting the, stolen off your front porch. And it's shoplifting. Yeah. So now yeah. the, the prices are, you know, raised because they're making up for the, the money that they're losing. Um, you're looking at some of the craziness that, that people are, you know, the, the things that are happening um, because of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a serious time. Uh, and then when you get into the fentanyl um, and and things, the exposure of that for officers, uh, right. you know, our, our policy, our training uh, went to that, you know, you need a second officer now because if you ingested or if you had contact with it, that that officer was the one to provide, you know, potentially life-saving efforts on you. You know, we used to have to worry about, oh, are we going to get shot? We need to see the person's hands. Right. People wonder why officers are paranoid maybe and why uh why they they may not uh be as friendly as they want them to be on a traffic stop when you are only doing whatever right well that's why because uh our screw up in a day and this i know this kind of sounds cliche or whatever our screw up in a day could be life or death it really could and and, um if we don't know what we're doing we we're not trained we're always going to err towards our safety side you know because we want to make sure that uh we go home you know and uh, we have families so um i mean i think that's the the fair thing right that that we're out there so um yeah it's it's a big deal it really is and it's 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 more than uh, a lot of people probably want to believe because it may not be directly affecting them or their family but it's indirectly affecting you i can guarantee that and maybe this is more of a, a father to father husband to husband uh question to ask you know we're trying to like navigate through this world and it's so different than when we were growing up like i don't know when to have the conversation because i know I, the news will be on or you know there'll be some something that comes across and, and and my son has questions you want to keep them in the bubble and i think you know when we live in in this community especially we feel like we're saying you know we're we're okay obviously we you know as as fathers and as as, as mothers of uh, smaller children you don't know when to have that hey you hear stories on the news or you, you read things or you're on social media and you're like, eight-year-old gets, you know, is found with this or five-year-old. And these are things that, that seemingly aren't going to go away. You know, our our children are going to eventually grow up in a world where, where pot isn't demonized 
as it was maybe when we were growing up or even before when it was like, oh, the, the hippies, you know, the Woodstock and, you know, look with it. And then pot led to LSD and you know, all these other things that maybe weren't factual at the time. But now we are in a day and age when things, they have to be factual. The meth stats are factual. The fentanyl stats are true heroin and all these other things that are out there that we like to protect ourselves from, especially in a smaller community. How do we approach that conversation with our children? Because we don't know when that right time is. You know, they're not that conversation is not being interjected into uh, into the classroom. But you do have to realize, and this was something I had to, and I almost had to come to Jesus with. But I was just, wow, my child is going to third grade with another kid whose parents are doing meth, or they're doing things that are are dealing with fentanyl, or. You want them to be you want them to be kids and you want them to not have to worry about a world that's that can be crazy at times. You want them to see the beauty in it and be driven and go and, and chase their dreams and stuff. How do you how do you think you approach that conversation with as a parent dealing with these type of issues? That that is a tough one, right? Um, yeah. kids grow up at different even though they're in the same grade and the same age, they grow up at different levels based on their experiences. Yeah, their environment. And totally. you're, you're absolutely right that that people who are in uh, our children's classes, um, they're having much different world than our kids are. Um, and you know, one of the first days of school this year, my my son got you know get threatened to stab him in the neck with a pencil and then go home and murder his parents. Okay. That is not how you want the first this is any day grade. of any school. Jeez. Second grade. Um, that's that's pretty specific, right? It's pretty yeah. pretty specific ideation of what's going to happen. How that's not video. That's it. not video game shit, right there. That yeah. is not from playing Fortnite. And you know, so that's concerning, right? As as right. as a guy who uh, I dealt with, you know, in my my kind of prior life, prior to the the public side in in uh, policing, I was a, uh, a a detective who handled child abuse investigation. Mm. Just going into the houses and seeing, you don't know what's going on in your neighbor's houses. Right. Not your neighbor specifically. I don't know if they listen or not. Here, but I have a couple of ideas, um, but that, we'll, we'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> but you know, you go into these places, and and again, I think that um, unless you're in a job that forces you into those houses and in those situations, you have no idea what's really going on uh, at a much higher level. And it's not to scare people away because we still are a good community, we still are right. safe. But um, it, it's it's something that really is is frustrating. Um, and when do you? Yeah, when do you? How do you approach it? Um, you, you know, do you? I think the biggest thing is more so of, of really monitoring and understanding. Um, it scares me when I see uh, good families or seemingly good families, good parents, good upbringing, and things go off the rails. You right. know, and trying to figure out where did that happen? You know, what what was the what was the cause behind that? Um, that's you know not something I have an answer for. But uh, the best thing I think you do is you. you you know, you really, as a parent, you want to hang out with your kids as much as possible. You want to do things with them. You want to keep them involved versus allowing them just to stray off and not knowing right. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make sure when they're on YouTube, they're watching them. People open Disney packages versus, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. else. And, and, you know, it's not to it, right. it's not to keep them in the bubble so much, but it's really just kind of keep them close to you. Um the right answer. I wish I knew that. If I had the answer, I'd be doing my own podcast with that answer for people. <laughs> and making much more money than this podcast <laughs> is currently pulling in. No, I think, and, and we have, you know, I, I want to say you and I, you maybe more so than I do, but I have a great relationship, um, especially here in, in, in this town with the officers. I, we've, we've worked hand in hand with them. We did a lot of great work with them. Um, we have personal relationships that we've, we've built on that. So I think um, that exposure simple passerby exposure. You know, my son doesn't have a fear of of seeing the the canine unit out because we know right. Officer Tony and we know yeah. Max. Um, and, and you came in and, and 
chicken. He's, 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 he's fearless, but he knows like he's protected because he has we, – we've kind of put him in a position where he – well, you know that this is why the you know this officer is here. You know, We had a, a former neighbor who no longer lives in the house behind us, but it was – there were some bad things that were happening in that house and on a drug level. And we had um, former chief of police here, Jesse James, who's now representing our community, uh, and, and Officer Tony, who has Max, our canine dog here. We're at that house on a pretty consistent level, and this is in a, you know a smaller town than than Eau Claire is. So you're t- you know you talk about six officers on, we have right. one and 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 a, and a dog hopefully running around somewhere, Max. But they would then come to our house, and, and there was an instant where um, a door was kicked in. But logistically speaking, you can't kick in a door when the glass goes out. He came over and asked if we had seen anything. And, um, and, and my son probably shouldn't have, but he crawled up in, <laughs> in the truck. But so I think we have them in uh, feeling comfortable with the law and the difference between law-abiding citizen and somebody who's you know straight from the path. Um, but it's a very scary situation that I think you can only protect for so long. And it's right. it's tough to gauge when that happens. I think um, I think you said it right when you're like, keep them close to you in a, in a perspective of know where their friends are. Mm-hmm. No, obviously, if you're if you have kids and they do play dates and stuff like that, you have a good idea at least on the uh, on the visual of those parents and who those parents are and kind of what they stand for. Um, a tougher world, I think, for parents now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wonder if generation each generation had this right. Right, they, there they was something. There, there's yeah. something right. The, the difference now is the information flow coming in. Like uh, way back in the day, it was watch for dinosaurs, <laughs> and now it's like. Meth dealer behind your house. Take cover. Right? Find a cave. <laughs> Find, and, right, jump right. in the cave. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, you know, but now, internet, I mean, yeah. pop-up ads, uh, you know, TV, and, and it's not just, it's, there's so much out there. Uh, it, it gets overwhelming, and uh, there's access, which is great. I mean, it can be used to, uh, you know, the advantage of, of a lot of uh, businesses and, and people, uh, but it also can be a very negative in our society. So I think that's something that... Uh, you know, we'll see how things evolve or devolve from here on out. But I'm guessing every generation had their yeah. concerns. It just has to be adjusted to 2019 level. There's less to worry about. I'm, I'm a firm believer in um, the fact that even even given technology, we do live in the greatest time ever where you have access to know anything at any moment that you need to know it. And I think um, our kids, especially in that generation and Gen Z, will never know a world where they didn't have that. They didn't know the Encyclopedia Britannica or, you know, chisel markings on the cave or had to deal with things like polio. I mean, obviously there's a measles issue that we... <laughs> Mine don't even know what commercials are. Yeah. Well, right? I don't even know what this Netflix is. Netflix and they just, you know, fast forward. I don't understand. What's fast forward and rewind? It doesn't... There's no know, cables running yeah, into what, your television. What's going on? How do you not have a music? But it, I think you're right. Every generation has a different thing. And now ours have really the keys to the unlimited amount of knowledge and you hope that that knowledge you know finds its way down into to do some positive into into even grow that network we talked about a lot of the bad things um, that are going on and i know there are just some funny things that happen there are just stories that come across and sometimes they come out of florida and we make fun of florida <laughs> even though we don't like to be there when it was february but there's there's been just this array of stories that have come out that you shouldn't laugh at you know, it's it's not okay. You shouldn't be methed out at Walmart and have your son take his shirt off, and then all of, there's a lady doing karate with her shirt off, and the dog steals the dog steals cornbread. But these are the kind of stories that I think 
when they, especially when they go on and they they go viral, and all of a sudden you see, I, I have an uh, an aunt and, and my mom and everybody who lives out in uh, Northern California, they're posting these kind of stories like, oh, this is from where we grew up, and this is really. There's there has to be times when you were in your old position, or even now when you read these stories, you just you gotta laugh and just be like people, come on, come on. You know, it's the greatest show on earth watching reality. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some people miss out because they don't get to see the behind the scenes. You know, um, what what I used to do policing, we saw the reality of whether, I guess, if that's reality or not. Maybe not, right? right. Maybe that's a, on the other end of the spectrum of, of reality. But it was things that were real, that were really going on. And, you know, you, you can't make these things up. No. Right? You, if, you, if you wrote a script and said, hey, let's have a, let's put out a funny movie, you're not going to come up with probably the lady doing karate and the dog stealing the biscuits. I mean, it's not going to happen. No, because they, they would think your movie was like a, a farce movie or it was like, oh, they're, they're trying to do a little knee slap thing. Like, oh, this doesn't. Absolutely. Oh, it really happens. This happens right and this happens but you have to look at it you know if you want to get down to it there are people there are mental health issues there are drug issues there's so much behind that but you know what if you go into when we talk about in the job if you go into that with everything has to be completely serious you can't have humor you can't you're going to burn out real quick um, because you do see terrible things you see these real people you actually beyond that headline and beyond that that Facebook posts, you know these are real people that you're going to deal with or have dealt with before, and uh, you know that this is affecting more people in their life. But um, boy, it's um, there's some strange things out there. Absolutely, my favorite one. I shouldn't say favorite again. I know it's it's not good. Don't drink and drive, people. That's why I do my <laughs> podcast from my own house. Uh, there was a story. This this was a couple months ago, and I haven't had a chance to bring it up yet. Guy gets pulled over for DUI somehow between the pullover. And officer coming to the window, he jumps into the passenger seat and claims, I wasn't driving. It was Ryan Reynolds. Like Deadpool happened to be uh, in the driver's seat. There's, it makes for good comedy because I think that we, we, we look at it from a Hollywood standpoint. Right. You go, who thinks of, oh, this is not good. And then, oh, plan of action. I mean, all of a sudden, <laughs> you have a plan. Here's my plan. I'm going to jump in the passenger seat and then... I, I'm trying to imagine this callback to dispatch, male, 32, whatever, uh, claims that Ryan Reynolds was, was driving the vehicle. As a person that's on the other side of that, I would just think that you would just laugh and be like, oh, oh, well. And, and you have to you have to roll with it. Uh, it's it's something down the line you, you do laugh about. Uh, but when you're in that situation, you know, you are dealing with a real person. So, right. um, and of course, Ryan Reynolds isn't going to say he was there, right? Why is he going to implicate himself, right? <laughs> like, you are um, really fast, and, dude. And he does have the gin company, you know, aviation gin. So, I mean, it, it ties <laughs> I suppose, together. I you, suppose. You put the pieces Everything together. is full circle now. Yeah, absolutely. Damn it, so, Ryan. You know, so, and, and there are a lot of people that would want to be riding with Ryan Reynolds. So, By the way, Ryan Reynolds can afford a driver. <laughs> he can afford a car service. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. He can. Absolutely, yeah. You know, but those are the things that, that make the the job fun, too. Not that we're dealing with somebody. I think that was a sixth offense OWI, yeah, right? So, yeah, part, was... of, part of our big job is education so that people don't do these things, right? So, be, so people don't get killed or injured. But um, but there's a, there's a light side to these things that, you know, man, there's a lot going on out there. There's a lot of different people. There's a lot of 
Uh, people that think that, oh, I can be smarter than the cops. Well, you maybe can, but not when you're a point two six, right? You know, that's a... <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was here. You should yeah, have seen him. Maybe, Full costume. Maybe have something scripted out a little bit better. <laughs> Plan your life better. But there had to have been moments in your 15 years that you were at the end of a day or read a headline and you just, you had to chuckle to yourself. Just like, come on, people. Oh, you know, all the time. And yeah. things would come across. There were so many things that uh, even even with the police department that would come across that I would want to post and we just could not do it. You know, there was, <laughs> you, there you was, were close though. Oh, you were, man, you thought there, was, their you know, thought that, was there. Some departments like they push it a little bit farther. I never pushed the, the limit. I don't think, I think I, I was pretty, not even close to the, the line of going over at times, but uh, there were things that, boy, yeah, we want to put this out there, but you have to balance that out. Like, are you trying to humiliate the person? Are you trying to educate them? Right. What are you trying to do, right? And sometimes you just have to put, in my opinion, put these out because you have to have people see, yeah, you are doing things out there, and this is such right. a, a unique position, unique job, what we're seeing, what is going on in our community. So there is, even if it's not educating on a specific point, it's educating the community. Hey, what, what are we doing, right? What's right. going on out there? Um, but there are, there are stories. I mean, that's... And that's one thing you can walk away with at, at the end of the job is, oh, you have all kinds of stories. Most you forget because one trumps the next. And nobody, and I think nobody wants to be that person. No, nobody wants to be the person who, you know, Kyle goes home to his wife and says, so yeah, there was a guy with 68 pounds of Coke in the back of his, you know, El Camino and it busted today. Didn't think we'd know. I mean, low, there's low rider, but nobody has a low rider in Eau Claire because uh, have you seen the street conditions? That thing would bottom out. You're going to lose your suspension. It's not going to be any good. Uh, but there's so many different facets, I think, of law enforcement and what you're doing now in the educational field, training the next police force that's going to be out there in our community that is really opened up in the last, I'd say, 15 years because um, because that's how long you've been in. It's mm-hmm. And it seems like the stories of the bad, they're going to pop up. You know, they're going to happen. There's going to be guys who either, like you said, make mistakes. The public doesn't understand that situation. And we right. never will. Because right. you can't, you can't, unless you're watching the full hour special of something that happened, you're not going to get enough information in a snippet or a lot of times on social media. All you do is scroll, you read the headline, and that's the information that you have. People don't have the time or the energy or the really the want to educate themselves fully on a story. But there has been a huge change in the way that the community and the police, uh, sheriff's department, detective, everybody seems to be like, okay, I, th- I think we're kind of all on the same team. You know, we, we kind of mm-hmm. all are fighting for the same the same cause, and that's to live in a town where we feel safe letting our kids go to school. Uh, we know that those schools are protected. And, and I think we also have our awareness is raised about warning signs. I think mental health is a huge thing. Um, and we could have a whole podcast on that. Right. I have, we're becoming more aware because we're communicating more. And I think that's right. something that people were either afraid of or there just was that line just wasn't there. There wasn't a, a way to say, hey, Kyle, you know, what do you think about this? Or can I have beer at Owen Park? I mean, who knows yeah. where that story ends up if that communication isn't out there or that person feels like they can't have that communication. Hey, I, is this okay? Can I do this? I'm just, it, it feels like we're in a better place with that line of communication open. Yeah, communication is is really uh, the number one tool that we have. People see, you know, you carry a duty belt with guns and batons and handcuffs and whatever, but again, not to sound corny, but every day, everything you're doing is communicating. Right. And if you can't do that effectively, we, you know, we teach that that is that's your primary weapon, right? You get out there and you 
you sell yourself, you market yourself really to the person because what you're trying to do is convince them to comply voluntarily. Yeah. Um, the other pieces are rarely used when they do. Of course, that makes the headlines and, you know, and then that's great that's you know uh, you know if it if it bleeds it leads right so if there's if there's something like that or if it's on fire there you go (laughs) too soon i'm sorry (laughs) neither here nor there but no i I think i think you're right because the attention span of society right now is about six seconds and you get six seconds of a headline and that's all you're going to read into it and if it's not hey there was a story today about a person who was breaking the law they complied with the officer they were taken in with no incident that probably happens more often than it yeah, doesn't happen. Right. That's not the story that people want to hear, though, because because we are living in a reality TV generation. I mean, we're growing up on this, watching cops and watching all these shows where you want to see. How many times did the guys, the camera crews, go up with the cops and nothing happened? They're like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be the worst episode ever." Oh, we got one. This is the one people want to see. Absolutely, yeah. That's you know, that's uh, that's there. There are things happening in every community. Yeah. Um, you know, and and. There, there are things that people don't want to know about. So, you know, being sheltered is okay sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes it's okay to be in Altoona. <laughs> Kyle Roder is training our next generation of police officers. I thank you uh, for coming down to the cave tonight and hanging out and doing the podcast. And and hopefully we can come back and we can have another topic of conversation. All right. I'm sure there's good. plenty out there. Yeah, I hey. have a whole list of things that we should probably Okay. Uh, Thanks for having me. You can check out the podcast now. By the way, do you want to let you know it is available on the iHeart app, so you can catch it globally on there. Otherwise, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and Spotify, and anywhere fine podcasts or semi-fine podcasts are available. We will catch you next week on the Welcome to Cooperville podcast.